You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. <clears throat> What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Also want to say that today's show is brought to you by Fertile Ground Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. Um, it was birthed out of the burden to help those in our community and congregations who come out of a difficult past or an addictive lifestyle. And uh, we are having a giveaway, a free Quay Walker jersey, the uh, the away white jersey, uh, got the uh, certificate of authenticity, all that good stuff. It actually came from pristineauction.com. Um, all you got to do to enter the contest to win that autographed jersey is go to my Twitter page, there will be a tweet pinned at the top of the page. Just click on that tweet, um, retweet it, and also follow the account. That'll enter you into the contest one time. If you'd like to enter additionally, um, you can go to the link that's attached to that tweet as well for FGR or uh, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. And if you want to donate to that cause, every $5 you donate will enter you into the contest one additional time. So make sure you take advantage of that. Now, tonight we've got a Chalk Talk segment for you guys. Uh, I say tonight because this is being recorded on Wednesday evening. And uh, the podcast will go live around noon central time on Thursday. And I got the uh, the great pleasure of having my buddy Coach Han on here. Coach, how was your day, man? Oh, they're all great days when you get to teach kids and coach kids, man. Oh, it don't get no better than that, man. Like I was saying, love the background, man. Love the uh, everything about your setup there tonight, dude. It's awesome. So <clears throat> what we're going to break down tonight, guys, on Chalk Talk is a play that came in the second quarter. There was 13 minutes and 44 seconds left. It was a third and five for Washington. Um, one of those crucial moments, you know, uh, we talked about on the last podcast, Coach, uh, these third downs, how important they are and trying to stay in third and manageable. Third and five, you like to think, okay, that's a lot better than third and seven, believe it or not, right? I mean, a lot better. <laughs> so it opens up a lot of different options. But what we're going to do is just kind of talk about what happened on that play. And for those of you who watched the game, I'm sure you're, you're thinking that was the 63-yard pick six by Devondre Campbell, hands down my favorite play of the game. And uh, it does it, – this play will also, as we dissect it, will kind of give you an idea of how Joe Barry is being a little bit creative up front and doing some things different than he may have done in the past. You know, some people think he's just still running a lot of zone. He is mixing in man. We've seen it burn us from time to time, but also you get these big plays occasionally as well. So let's just get right into it. The first thing I want to say um, – and, again, like we said on the last podcast, Coach highlighted it perfectly – you know, no two uh, teams or coaching staffs going to call this stuff the same thing. 
right? We're going to try to identify it best we can. I know I've got a way that I kind of break down plays and identify what each part of the play is. Coach, if you disagree with anything, if there's something I missed, you cut me off. But essentially, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here and get this thing cranked up. And we're going to go to the tape here, or the film, I should say. Man, I'm still back in the 80s, right? Um, <laughs> so what we have here, essentially, guys, and I'm, I've got the TV copy here, is Washington comes out in an 11 gun, strong right, Y flex, empty overload or a one by four. And some people in the Washington area call this DC empty. I've heard it referred to um, in film study from people who cover the uh, commanders. They, they refer to it as DC empty. And really the goal here is to come out in 11 personnel, which forces the Packers to come out in a nickel. They choose a nickel two four, right? And uh, what they're going to do is empty the backfield. So they're coming out in a spread set. Right. And um, what's cool about this is, you know, as Washington goes to that 11 to force the nickel, uh, the Packers are going to go to their nickel two, four, five. And the two down linemen, which is the first number we talk about, is actually Jaron Reed and Kenny Clark. And we're going to talk about how they're lined up here in just a second. The two outside linebackers or edge defenders is Preston Smith and uh, and Rashawn Gary. Of course, your inside linebackers are going to be Devontae Campbell, Quay Walker, and then the five DBs across the board. You've got Jai. We're going from left to right on the screen here on the TV copy. Jai is up top. As you guys know, he followed McLaurin pretty much all day long. He is uh, he is up, up top covering him. And then as you slide down, what's unique is – Devondre Campbell's kind of showing that he's covering the tight end or right in the split there between, uh, you know, one of the inside receivers and the tight end himself who was kind of flexed out. He, I don't even know if it would be uh, actually uh, called a flex or not, Coach. But uh, as I go behind the the uh, the line here, you can see him here, number 85. Would you consider that a flex? Uh, yeah. What, what our check for this is simply quads empty, meaning you've got four on one side, one on the other. So defensively, we just call this quads left. We get into our quads check or our empty check or whatever that would be. But you could consider that a flex for sure. He is on the line sealing off that tackle. Got you. Perfect. Just wanted to confirm it because if it was wrong, I wanted to know and uh, and learn a little something tonight. And that's, that's really selfishly, guys, that's why we're doing this. I'm just going to be honest. I'm trying to pick up stuff myself now. But um, so. Like I said, the Packers counter with the 2-4. Um, what's really cool here, too, and I want you to kind of describe this if you don't mind, Coach, and if we're going out of order, you just say, hey, I'd rather talk about it later. But the thing that stood out to me is how they walked Quay up into this B-gap here. And by the time the play gets ready to get started, it's almost like he's in a, a straight four tech. I guess it would be a four-I maybe. But you've got the uh, you know the edge rushers there and what I would consider a wide nine. You may disagree, but let's kind of talk about this front here in the box first. What, what are you seeing there? I'm seeing some real, real intelligence here from Joe Barry. Um, this is amazing. And it, it's one of those things that maybe not everybody grasps or understands. But what Barry's doing here is he's trying to set the offensive uh, pass pro. He's trying to set their pass pro for them. Um, Washington, this is it's so cool. The inception chess game that starts playing here because Joe Barry shows that he's bringing five against empty, you know, with this double mug look. Well, it's not truly a double mug because Devondre's still out there, but you're showing five, you're mugging your, your backside inside backer, your weak inside backer who is Quay in that look. Um, you're trying to get Washington into man pass pro. What's going to end up happening, though, is uh, this is really cool. Washington doesn't buy it. You know, they've watched a lot of tape on Joe Barry, too, especially seeing his empty checks. He very rarely brings five against empty. So they're not going to buy it. Um, they're thinking that 
your outside edge rusher is going to be the one who bails. They, they're, they're figuring somebody's going to bail. They're thinking your outside one is the one who's going to bail to the quads formation. So they go ahead and set that pass pro to, to man, but they go ahead and take that left guard and put him on Quay. And we get the tip from that by the steps of the right tackle here. Um, watch the, the right tackle get vertical first, thinking that he's man-man first. If this was straight man and they thought that edge pressure was coming from the quad side, um, they would have dove him way out to the edge farther. Now, right there, if you can rewind it back, just as his feet get onto the W, this is where Green Bay wins this rep um, and gets pressure on the quarterback. Right tackle is thinking that he's going to get a straight drop and that that outside edge rusher, that super wide nine, covering the tight end type of guy, he's thinking that he's going to be the one to drop and Quay is the one who's going to rat. Um, but they guessed wrong. Joe Barry kind of tricked him there. We could tell that from the vertical set initially by the tackle. As that tackle sets vertically, thinking that he's got that four-eye man, and then he sees that outside edge pressure coming. This is where he's getting his feet on a skateboard because his drop initially wasn't right. He should have shot way out more to the right if he was guessing that that was coming. Um, so schemed up really, really well to get your premier pass rusher, that extra half step around what we call the hoop. Um, excellent job with the club rip and get, dipping that shoulder low, grabbing grass and getting pressure on because, as you'll see, as you start to talk about the coverage, the play is there with a little bit of time. Um, the window that Washington wanted out of that whip route was there. The pressure forces an early throw. The pressure forces a, a what we call an off-time throw. As you can see, it's kind of coming from the back foot because they do a really good job of keeping top of pocket, not letting Heineke even step up towards it, um, closing top of pocket off. So that throw comes out a little bit earlier than anticipated and a little bit higher, a little bit more lofty than anticipated, and really becomes a 50-50 ball. It's just really good stuff of trying to get Washington to set the pass pro the way they think it, and then tricking them into it so that your tackle steps initially are wrong. They're too vertical. It's just, it's it's next level football, baby. Love it, love it, love it, man. Um, so let's kind of do this, man. First of all, great, great explanation there. And, and I love, like you said, what he did here on the uh, – I guess on the strong side is what you would call it. But um, the way that he lined up, you know, Jaron Reed and Kenny Clark on the same side here. And you, like you said, you know, you bring, you walk Quay into that B gap because you want to, you want the line to have to assume, okay, they may bring five here. Right. And now it's just a hat on a hat. And when he bails, I thought the guard did a decent job kind of recovering and helping with that. What would you call that that Jaron Reed does there? You you re referred to it as something. I know it's somewhat of kind of a stunt, but what, what did you call it? Yeah, we call that a long stick. So he's actually trading what we would consider three gaps. He's going to take away his B gap. He's going to close that play side or strong side A gap and then curl into the weak side A gap. What he's doing is taking away an escape lane on that. Um, yep. You'll see that come to play when, when you get to the TV copy and you start talking about the double rats. But his job is not to get quarterback pressure. It's to close lanes. Um, you're going to see Kenny take top of pocket so that he can't step up into it. And what you're really doing there is putting your tackles and the offensive tackles in a really bad spot as far as their angles go. Because now those edge rushers um, can really come at a really aggressive angle um, and, and get to Heineke knowing he's not going backwards anymore. And knowing <laughs> that we're going we're gonna to close top of pocket off and get him on his plant step. They're thinking it's third and five. They're thinking it's going to be quick game out of gun, which is going to be a three-step drop, literally catch, open the hips of the quarterback, one, two, three, from top of pocket. You know where his aiming point is going to be, so you can set your angle and really make a difficult time for that tackle. 
especially if he has to look off of a four tech or a tight five, what he's got there. Um, and then he'll never have time to recoup his, his angle to you. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, let's do this. Let's move on to the coverage aspect here. One thing that I noticed here, coach, when I looked at this, you know, Barry likes to show a lot of too high look, right? That's, that's kind of that big Fangio style. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. You're dead on. I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't say anything. No, that's okay. I, I probably had a little echo there. I apologize. That's good radio right there, right? <laughs> but, so, we, you know, he's showing a too high look, which is something he, he really likes to do. He likes to show that same look constantly and have that late rotation. The thing that stood out to me is Jai at the top of the screen here is, is on McLaurin with press. I mean, he's right up on the line of scrimmage. He's looking to mug him right off the bat. But if you come to the bottom of the screen, opposite Jai, all the way across the field, you've got Stokes playing roughly 10 yards off the wide receiver. Now, me as a quarterback, if I'm looking at this and I'm thinking it's a too high look, if it is indeed, you know, uh, kind of that Vic Fangio style where they'll mix in, you know, a cover six, sometimes it's an invert, sometimes it's not. I'm looking at, you know, the left side and going, okay, if this is zone, they're probably the, the two – the cover two aspect of the cover four or the cover six rather. Um, and that's why it's called cover six guys. Half the field is cover two, half the field is cover four. If, uh, if Jaws side is uh, what it could be is the cover two side, then he's up on the line of scrimmage. The tip is okay. If it's zone, that's probably the cover two side. You look to the opposite side and if it's not invert, you see Stokes playing 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. You think that's got to be the cover four side. Now, what's really cool as we roll through this, they're giving kind of that tilt look with Ja, like I said, playing up. And then, of course, uh, Stokes playing off. Now, when we come, come in here, like I said, you've got Quay Walker showing blitz there in the B gap. And what's awesome is as Quay drops out immediately, you're going to notice this late rotation that we talked about. And this has put them in a vulnerable spot from time from time to time this year because people were late getting to their place, right? So if you're thinking from a quarterback standpoint, is this man coverage or is this zone? As soon as the ball snapped, he's looking for a key. And what's cool is Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker are showing zone, right? They look like they're in zone defense. So as he moves to the secondary, you've got his tight end running what we call a skinny or a post. And what you notice is the safety from the opposite side of the field, Nadrian Amos, immediately jumps up, comes across the formation somewhat, and he's in man coverage on that tight end. And Coach Hahn pointed this out to me, you know, off air, that what we essentially have here is a catch man cover one with a double rat. Now, what does that mean, double rat? Okay. And like Coach Hahn pointed out, this is something that Nick Saban is famous for. You're playing man coverage across the board. It's a cover one because as the play develops, you see Darnell Savage is playing that single high, right? They rotate down. He's playing deep safety down the middle of the field. Everybody's playing catch man. And let's talk about catch man for just one second here, Coach. On the way I understand catch man, it's more of a squared up man coverage style. And the goal is to funnel the receiver towards your help, which in this case would be the center of the field. And if you see Jair Alexander up top, He's on the outside, and then as the play develops, you can kind of see everyone is really cheating to the outside. They know they've got help across the middle because what's cool about Quay is after he bells out of that B gap, he's kind of in that mid zone. He's playing the sticks, right? Now explain to them, Coach on what is a double rat? That's the coolest coverage name I've ever heard, but what's a double rat? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to say I came up with that, but that's by people way, way smarter than me. <laughs> Double rat or or even the rat technique is uh, it's out of the Saban tree. It's 
very intelligent way to play underneath routes. Um, it was really developed to help stop mesh and as mesh really became kind of that, that play and mesh variance became that play in college football um, and then started to make its way uh, towards the NFL. What rat is, is essentially the inverse of two man. So two man, you're going to have man coverage across the board, two high safeties. Well, this one is going to allow two underneath players to attach to an in-breaking route. So in this specific play, you're going to watch Devondre to the wide side of the field. Um, all he's doing as soon as he hits his pass drop, now it's empty and it's third and five. So they got some cheats there with um, just what they know it's going to be. As he starts to get his pass read, all he has to do is look through that quads formation and get the all he has to do is attach to the first threat coming inside. So your reads are um, the corners are man out and deep. They're getting out reads here. The nickel gets an, an out or a uh, deep read, excuse me. And then Devondre is just looking at what we call the hard deck. So in this case, the hard deck is the sticks, um, five yards. He's going to look for the first crosser coming his way. He's going to see uh, McKissick come his way with an in-breaking route. The thing with a rat is the second that you attach to somebody, you have to attach to him. Hold on one second, Clayton. My apologies. The lights went out on me. Oh, man. <laughs> Take your time, man. I'll, I'll continue going. You just cut me off when you get back. Um, so like what he's talking about with the rat, what really, really uh, caught my attention is, first of all, on the strong side of this formation, they're running what we call a flood switch T-whip. OK, and what we mean by flood switch T whip, the T receiver here is actually the running back that's flexed out wide. OK, again, like we said, we have 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end. They come out in the empty. What he said, a quad look, some will call it a one by four. Some will call it empty D.C. It's something they specialize in. Right. Um, yep. So the T receiver would be the running back. Stands for tailback. To the best of my knowledge, there's some, like I said, some defensive coaches may call it something. They may call it bunk bed. I don't know. Don't care. That's what we're calling it today is T, okay? So he's going to run a whip route. What that means is some people call it a Dino back in the day. Some people would call it a Zag. Like I've got a nephew that plays high school football here in Tennessee. Their coaching staff calls that a Zag. I think it's silly, but that's what they call it, right? <laughs> coach Han calls it a whip. And I know you're back now, Coach. As you were talking about Devondre, playing that that rat look there what really caught my attention coach is how you know he's kind of on the hook for that inside breaking route and it really shows the awareness that Devondre has that he didn't bite on that in breaker he kind of is almost like he knew he was expecting a whip there with this switch yeah the really nice thing about it is you know especially with a double rat is he can play that what we call that playing it heavy or playing it thick where he doesn't have to bite initially on that in-breaking route because it's a four by one, uh, it's a four by one formation. So he knows that with John Man up top and Quay is going to be the wrap to his side. He doesn't have to wall that sucker off because he'll have if that thing were to cross the middle all the way, he's going to have Quay's help. They're going to sandwich it and they're they're two on one that way. He knows Terry McLaurin isn't going to come across the middle of the field, and if he does, he's got Jaws help on the side. So he's allowed to play this a little bit thicker. He's allowed to um, be thinking whip. He's allowed to be thinking some sort of double move. If that were to go vertical after that in-breaking route, like a little, uh, we call it a stick and nod. Um, if that were to go vertical, he can wall that sucker off and carry it to the safety. But as soon as he got that in-breaking look, he knows he can attach man and play it thick and kind of play for the collision. Now, the cool thing about Washington here is they, they kind of figured they would get this coverage. 
Um, they didn't know, they, they misjudged who was going to bail on it, but they kind of figured they would get this coverage. And this is a really good play call against the coverage. Cause as you can see, if that throws on the money and you're, you're getting that sucker to the, to the field side uh, boundary, you've got plenty of room. This is a quarterback's dream. If he's not under pressure, you have plenty of room to throw your man open. And if you miss, you miss in the safest place possible because that sucker's carrying out of bounds. This throw has to come a little bit earlier. You'd like that throw to be delivered when your receiver is just starting to hit what we call top of numbers. So he's just coming out of the break. You want that thing to be a little bit longer so that he can use his speed to separate from an inside backer. But as we're watching this, like he's got room. He's got a window to throw. It's the pressure that made that come out early, come out high, and come out a little bit behind that really made that a 50-50 ball. It's a pretty solid coverage but it does i mean every coverage has a pro and a con it can be a little weak to a double move to the out which washington ran but again it's the pressure that made that sucker come that and then it's devondre's willingness to go win a jump ball against a running back that really made this play special absolutely and, and again you can't really you know put a price tag on what kenny clark and rashawn gary bring to the table in this defense especially from a pass rushing standpoint because kenny really pushes that guard right back into into uh, heineke's lap while Rashawn Gary, like you said, does that that rip move, and he's just literally untouched. The tackle had no chance there, and that's one of the advantages of that wide nine. Now, you can't run the wide nine in a, in a running situation because, obviously, the, the middle of the field is somewhat vulnerable. And one of the things I wrote in my notes here, Coach, and I'm glad you mentioned it, as Jaron Reed kind of scrapes across here, what I wrote in my notes is it's almost like a mini spy. Like if he does decide to bail, like you said earlier, then Jaron Reed's got that lane sealed up. and you know, Heineke just had to kind of pick his poison there. Uh, really, yeah. really cool play. And love, love four-man pressures. You know, I, I'm a little more aggressive than most, but I don't I don't coach for millions, and I don't have fans scre screaming at me if things don't work <laughs> out. You know what I mean? But I'm a little more aggressive than most. Usually our empty check is to go ahead and bring five and, and think that we're going to win one of those battles. Um, but this is just a, a very intelligent way to bring four to make sure you're still gap sound and ceiling top of pocket as well as any release lane and still getting a really, really nasty edge rush from two of your best dudes, um, knowing that you're going to get quick game out of gun. You know, you know exactly where that quarterback's plant foot is going to be so you can set your angles and then steering it with Quay so that that right tackle thinks he has man initially takes his big vertical step and now all of a sudden he's just out of position. Love it. Absolutely love it. And, you know, the, another thing, too, let's say that Heineke, you know, with what he's seen in the coverage, I know you said it was a good play call there with that uh, with the um, flood switch T whip. But let's say for some reason he didn't like what he was seeing on the outside. You would think his hot would probably be the tight end. But immediately as Quay uses his athleticism to bail out, he takes that away. If, if there's going to be a hot there and it's going to be kind of a quick slant from that tight end, Quay's right in that lane. I mean, this is a really, really good play call. And, again, I cannot tell you how impressed I was with Adrian Amos being that far away from the guy that he's in man coverage on and just the way that he catches him in this catch man. I mean, it's just – it's pretty remarkable. So, really yeah, it cool. Is. It's a great feat of athleticism by him, um, and don't get me wrong. You know, as, as you roll that back, you can see what we call Y-pop. Uh, Y-pop was certainly there if you just turn around and catch the ball for five yards. Yeah, but, I mean, again, it would have to be the perfect play call against the perfect coverage because reminder they did not think that wide nine was coming they they guessed that he was going to be 
um, rerouting at the very least that tight end. So it'd be a very difficult thing to get that play call in, assuming that wide nine is going to go ahead and attach to the tight end and Quay is going to be the one who actually comes. Now, the reason that they set it that way is because of Adrian Amos's alignment, um, kind of showing that sixth look, as you had mentioned, or even that two-man look, um, giving help over the top of Jair, whatever. When the center sees that, and again, this goes back to our previous conversation a couple of days ago, when the center is able to see that safety up top, um, he's thinking that, well, definitely Quay is coming because there's his help. There's Quay's help over the top. The Packers did a really nice job of sugaring or, 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 or disguising that and dropping Amos down so that you couldn't guess that Quay was going to be the one to bail. Usually when you have a safety over the top, it means that that linebacker is coming. Well, they tricked Washington. Washington knew only four were coming, but they were able to trick them into thinking the wrong one was coming. Love it. Absolutely love it, man. And again, this is just one example of how it's not just zone defense. It's not just man defense. This is actually a combo here. And I love the way you described it as an invert cover two because you've got two guys covering the middle of the field, playing the sticks. And this doesn't happen, guys. This is not successful if you can't get pressure with a four-man rush. If these guys get stonewalled, then Heineke's probably going to be able to scramble a little bit, extend the play, and might be able to even find someone open, you know. But um, one other thing that I want to point out, and we're going to move on, is Rasul Douglas on this play. You know, right here, Coach, um, he's down here playing. Uh, I guess he's actually on the tee in this moment. Yep. And by tee, just to make sure, I said this while, while your lights were out over there, um, by tee, you're, you're referring to the tailback that's in the route, right? Correct, yep. Got it. So watch Rasul Douglas play this. He recognizes right off the bat, this is a flood concept. And look at the switch, right? And then watch watch Rasul. He does not give that outside a chance. Like he is all over it out there. So if Heineke's side adjustment is, let me look to that deep out before I come back to the whip, he, he knows right here. At this point, he's like, okay, there is no chance for that deep out because Rasul has all the leverage in the world. He knows he's got help across the middle, and it's just it's kind of game over. And, again, I'm really impressed with Devondre. Like you said, though, if Rashawn Gary doesn't get that pressure on him and that's a clean throw and it comes out on time and all that and it's on the outside shoulder, a safe throw to the outside, that's probably a pretty big play. That's probably a first down. But got to give Devondre credit, man. The way that he jumps on this as we switch over to the, to the uh, TV copy, I mean, he really – he takes the inside away – and he has no hesitation. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's on the ball. And that was a really, really fun pick six to watch unfold, man, especially with the convoy. I'm telling you right now, Coach, there is nothing better than seeing a group of guys rally on a pick six return, man. It's awesome. Now, Quay got a little bit embarrassed there. You know, he's – look at these feet right here. That's – that's I don't know about that, but <laughs> – I promise you that ain't coming up in film at all, man. When <laughs> You know it. That. It's like, hey, way to, way to haul your tail down and get our boys a tutty. Uh, a couple <laughs> of things from what you had shown is, is if you don't mind, I'm going to share my screen now. Absolutely. A um, couple of things just kind of building off exactly what you had shown, dude. Um, really, really oh. good stuff here. As we take a look at that whip again, um, just from the TV view, I apologize for all the pixelization, but that's what Huddle's giving us right now. Hey, Coach, um, hold on just a second. We're actually not seeing your screen at the moment. Hey, my apologies. Yeah. Let me go ahead that's and fine. actually get that going for you here. So share screen. You got me now. Let's see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toggle it right now. You should be good now. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you. Uh, as I run this back here, um, we're going to actually see that window that that they're trying to hit. 
Um, again, a good play call watching that line from Gary, though. Right here is the window where if you've got a split second more and you're not throwing off your back foot, like that is a quarterback's dream window. you got a linebacker on your back hip. Um, you're ready to rock. You're, you're, you're doing some really good stuff. But again, just to kind of put some illustrations as to what I was talking to you about before, but now this time with some actual, uh, I, I don't know what you could say, some lines or whatever you want to say, so that I can show you exactly how they thought this was going to be blocked. Washington was thinking left tackle was going to have to take this nine. Left guard was going to take the blitzing back. Center would have to push over. Right guard would be able to combo with center. Again, thinking. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. He's going to have to bail out to tight end territory to reroute. Um, really, really nice job of, by Green Bay of switching that script and actually bailing here so that when we got this dead straight line, and it's a, it's a no-doubter for this to come to right here, um, doubter as we watch that kind of line, that beautiful angle that Gary's going to be able to have, watching this right tackle right here as he hits his initial kicks, his eyes are straight forward, right locked onto four. He's not even paying attention to this which gives Rashawn the jump off of the ball he needs. From here, we're still, now you're hitting your second step. You're in your drive catch step as a right tackle. You're still focused here. Watch how late he picks this up right here. Now you just don't have a chance. You know, by the time you realize it, he's already half man on you, and he's, he's lining right to your quarterback. Just such a great job scheme-wise of Green Bay, just understanding what Washington thought they were going to have and being one step ahead of them in that that little uh, inception cat and mouse game that they got going on. Love it, man. Love it, dude. That, you break this down where a uh, an ignorant redneck can understand it, and I appreciate it. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Good stuff. So again, guys, that came in the second quarter. You want to go back and watch it and find it on the tape. Uh, 1344 left in the second quarter. It was a crucial third and uh, third and five. 63 yard pick six. I, I'll be honest, coach. When this play happened, I said, "That's uh, we've got this game. That everything." You, you know, turnover differential is going to be hard to lose now. Your defense put seven on the board for you, or six technically, I guess you could say. Yeah, man, I mean, your chances of winning go go up tremendously. Unfortunately, the rest of the game happened, right? But that's the way it goes. Um, is there anything else you would like to add before we let you get out of here? Uh, do me one favor real quick because you touched on it, but I just I, I really want to hype the dude up. If you could go to the uh, – that's either the TV copy again or the um, all 22 sideline view right here would be perfect. And you want to run this back a little bit more. You had touched on Sewell Douglas here down at the T. Now the cool thing is you have a man, like you are aligned over your man, your square shoulders over your man. But the cool rat is it gives you the rule, knowing the, the theories and the philosophies of football if somebody goes in, that means somebody's coming across, right? The, the whole theory of flood is to flood the zone. So what Russell Douglas does here is, is reached on him jumping that route, but he's in man right now with the T. He's aligned over the T. His eye, he's got man eyes on the T. He's in catch man on the T. What his job is in rat is as soon as he gets an in-breaking release from his T, which he sees here, his eyes have to snap then and he has to take the numbing his way because as soon as your your man goes in and he's out of your count that means you have to go to the next man and the quickness that he did that with was unreal so that he could stay on top of that out but as you run it back essentially the the way that it's coached is let your eyes take you to the next read so as soon as he's getting his bail tech here, they know that Washington isn't going to run five verts because that'd be a stupid play. So instead, they're going <laughs> to go ahead and let his eyes carry him to his next read. He sees in. Now he sees this little rolled deep out uh, coming from what we would call your M receiver. He could stay on top of it. And then at the end of the play, he does such a phenomenal job. This is such a hard thing to teach of throwing your hands up getting in the way, doing what we call a basketball screen, you know, on the return after Devondre gets it, of rallying and still running hard, but not getting one of those dumb penalties that call six points, not getting that block in the back. You're not head hunting. There's the arms up. You're getting in the way and then watch the pursuit after it. Do hustle to come through and do it again. He says, well, you know, Devondre may not be as fast as a wide receiver, so do it again. Um, just an unbelievable job doing all the little things right, taking great coaching. This is a great clip by Rasul Douglas. Um, he and he and Rashawn Gary really make this play happen. I know and I don't want to take anything away from Devondre because he did work too. Don't get me wrong, but like this is these are the little things that really make a play. So that when we're grading plays, this is the sort of stuff we're watching for. Yeah, we want you to catch the ball. Yeah, we want you to make the tackle, but we want you to do all these other little things that make a successful football. I love it, dude. Love it. And you know, what's awesome, too, is let's say that throw does come out on time and he throws to that window outside. Something else that Rasul is in position to do is make the tackle. If that is complete, completed, it's minimal gain. I mean, they may get the first down, but he's all over it. And like you said, throwing the hands up, man, this is just like, you know, nine years old on a family vacation. You're in the car. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Right. Yeah. That's it right there. <laughs> I love it, man. Bingo, baby. I'm glad yeah, you this this is great. I'm glad you pointed that out because it is. That's that's good smart football all the way around. I mean, and and that's what's so unique about Russell Douglas. You know, when they signed him, coach, 
he was one of those players that was on the scrap heap. Nobody wanted him. He comes out last year, had multiple interceptions. Aaron Rodgers has come out time and time again, said he's one of the smartest defenders he's played with since Charles Woodson, all those things, and uh, really, really cool. I want to point this out before we let you go, and we're at the 32-minute mark. We're going to let you get out of here and, and see your family, but it's, it's this is what's really, really cool. The, this, the PFF grades, I'm going to read them off real quick from this game alone, okay? Um, defensively, Devondre Campbell, a 94.3 with a 91.8 coverage grade, okay? Guess who's second? Rasul Douglas with a 90.7 and a 90.9 coverage grade. So the, the two highest graded players on the Packers defense were the two that you just highlighted in that play, which is really cool. Now, if you slide down, who provided the pressure? Rashawn Gary. His pass rush grade for the Washington game, 89.4. Really, really cool there. Um, so I just wanted to point that, that out because, you know, it kind of lines up with exactly what the film says, you know. For sure. Yeah, those 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 playmakers getting in, you know, Rashawn Gary getting the pressure, Rasul Douglas with the, with the pursuit and Devondre with the pick six, you know, that's all great stuff. But one of the things we have to consider as well is, you know, I, I – I'd be interested to see how Jaron Reed graded out on that because his job was not sexy at all. It looks like he got no pressure. It looks like he didn't beat a block, but his job is doing exactly what he needs to do to make it successful, you know? So some of the intricacies of football there is, is also kind of an interesting point because to me, Jaron Reed gets an A plus on that grade as well. And Kenny Clark and, you know, these guys who maybe aren't applying the pressure, but holding top of pocket and taking away escape lanes and just all that beautiful stuff that gets so, intricate and inception wise and it it'll blow your mind right absolutely and that's what's so cool about the 34 defense you know gone are the days where on first down you just bring out a base defense right now it's your matching personnel and 90 percent of the time you're in 11 not 90 percent of the time but the majority of the time you're in 11 personnel therefore triggering a uh, a nickel and what's so cool about that is you know when you when you build a roster with a 34 base, you've got to have these big defensive linemen, and their whole j job in the uh, in the 34 front. If you're playing, you know, let's say a 21 set or or a 12 look, and you got to protect against a run, they are trained inside and out that you are playing unselfish football. You're a two gap defensive lineman, and you're doing even these type of things in a pass rushing scenario is is really really cool. So, dude, good stuff. You absolutely crushed it, man. Like I said, I know you had a long day. Go home and see your family. All right. <laughs> I will. I will. I will. Thank you. And, and thanks for having me. You, as much as I love, you know, teaching and coaching, and we had parent teacher conferences tonight. So I get to tell all these parents how great their kids is wonderful, right? But I was looking forward to this all day. Like, I just love breaking this stuff down. I love getting, you know, insight and perspective and stuff. It was just, it's wonderful. Thank you, buddy. Absolutely. Thank you, pal. You have a great night, man. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and kill the camera so you don't have to look at my ugly mug anymore. And uh, we're going to go ahead and move on with the rest of the show here. Again, I pointed out that Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas had a great day, right? And um, 94.3 PFF grade. These are defensive grades, not necessarily coverage or pass rush, just all together. And, guys, the reason I always lean on that, I know some people like to go, well, what was their actual receiving grade or what was their actual pass rush grade? All those things are important, don't get me wrong, especially in a timely manner. But for me – um, personally, the way that I like to look at the grades is overall, you know, yes, it's great for Rashawn Gary to be a great pass rusher, right? That's very, very important, but it's also important for him to set the edge and play the run. And all that goes into factor with the overall defensive grade. So I really like to lean on the defensive grade 
and the offensive grade. You know, it's just the same thing on offense. It's great that a running back gets a great running grade, but how did he pass protect? How did he play in the passing game? All those things to me are just as important to, to make it a well-rounded football team, which we know Green Bay is not there yet. But I feel like they really took some strides in this game. And some of you may be going, it was the Washington Commanders. They lost to them. I, I get it. I got, I'm got. i not going to just sit here and get on the bash fest train and not point out the good things that they did. And it's important to understand, especially from building a roster moving forward, that we know exactly who is playing well and who deserves that contract extension, right? And who do we want to build this defense around? Those type of things. So Devondre Campbell in this game at 94.3, Russell Douglas at 90.7. I cannot tell you how excited I am to see Russell Douglas grade out so well because the DBs have really begun to struggle this year. And it's going to take one. I honestly thought it would be Jair Alexander that would step his game up and kind of pull them out of that funk. At this point, it seems to be Russell Douglas. And I'm really excited to see him step up. Another one, we mentioned him last week. And every single week, he's coming out with a high grade. And that's Dean Lowry, 79.7 defensive grade, had another phenomenal game. Quay Walker really stepped up this game, 78.0 PFF grade. You guys remember when we talked about the postgame stats there in the postgame show, outside of all the depression that we had from the results of the game, we pointed out that Quay Walker, I think he had um, – I know he had at least one pass deflection. He had th I think he had 13 tackles, and uh, there was also two quarterback pressures, or it might even been quarterback hits, so the guy really showed up. PFF agrees, 78.0 PFF grade. Run defense grade, 75.6. That's the most important aspect because he's really struggled here uh, early in his career. But his pass rush grade, 84.7. And it's so cool because Sam Holman on Twitter today, or yesterday I should say if you're listening to this on Thursday, actually mentioned he really wishes that Quay Walker could get some more reps rushing the quarterback. And you can see why. I mean, PFF grade 84.7 really played solid there. So another one that graded out only nine snaps, but he continues to impress. Rudy Ford, 77.4. Rashawn Gary, 76.5. Devontae Wyatt, 74.9. I know Ryan Schlipp is fired up over Devontae Wyatt. If you guys, obviously you're following him on Twitter, um, at pack underscore daddy. He showed an awesome clip earlier where Devontae Wyatt was uh, hustling on a play and, and ran down the ball carrier. And just, you know, like I pointed out in his tweet, man, the two things that stood out to me, I, I don't know what I was more excited about, the hustle in his game or the quickness, because this guy can move like a cat for a big defensive lineman. So that's really, really exciting. And and what's, what's really cool about his grade being a 74.9, there was no, like, glaring – uh, thing that he was bad at. He was just kind of steady across the board. Run defense, 68.5. Tackle grade, 69.2. Pass rush, 66.2. Nothing dipped below 60. And you want to see that, you know, a rookie player like that begin to step into his own gradually. I think it's awesome. Now, another one, I've got to get credit where credit's due. Darnell Savage, 74.4. Now, you guys heard me bash him in coverage, right? Um, his tackle grade was good in this game. Run defense was better. That's what you want to see to 70.5. I bashed him for just kind of being a half a step late to every play. It seems like he's in the frame but never making a play. Coverage was a little low at a 69.7 for, you know, a four-year vet and someone we just picked up a fifth-year option on. Um, and then TJ Slayton, 71.0 off 24 snaps, another solid performance there. So I just wanted to point out, I thought it was important to kind of show that how um, – how, you know, what we seen on film with Coach Hahn and myself, you know, breaking that down. And we didn't even talk about it beforehand about, okay, you know, who graded out well, who didn't. Let's let's kind of line that up. 
it just so happened. You pull up the PFF grades, and lo and behold, as he was talking, I'm looking at him going, looky here. Everyone we just highlighted in this huge pick six play got a great PFF grade on Sunday. Pretty cool stuff. So let's move on to the offensive side of the ball and talk about, um, you know, kind of from a just from a global standpoint, I guess you could say. You know, one of the big topics, you guys, if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen it's been very, very colorful the last two days. You know, I put a post up talking about Aaron Rodgers, and I was kind of defending him. And I think there's been a lot of uh, misunderstanding as if I'm saying he's MVP Aaron Rodgers. Not what I'm saying at all. Never once did I say Aaron Rodgers is not the problem. I have said Aaron Rodgers is part of the problem. But these people that are going in all in on Twitter talking about Aaron Rodgers is the reason we're losing. Aaron Rodgers is washed up. We need to trade Aaron Rodgers. We need to oh, – we got to slow down. As bad as you think he's playing this year, and, you know, I pointed out his completion percentage. Me pointing out a completion percentage, you would thought I had just went on Twitter and bad-mouthed everybody's family. I had no idea, no idea. So many people were so passionate about believing that the – completion percentage of a quarterback isn't important. I mean, I I had no idea that I was going to get the backlash I did because I said his completion percentage, and the stat is he's 1% higher than his career average of completion percentage. Over the entirety of his career, he's right at 65% completion percentage. This year, he's at 66. He's 1% higher than his career average. Now, is that lower than last year? Absolutely. Last year was an MVP year. Is it lower than the year before? Absolutely. The year before was an MVP year. I'm not going to sit here and expect Aaron Rodgers to have an MVP performance every single year. Not going to do it. It's not going to happen. That is, you are setting yourself up to be miserable if you expect any player. How many players in the history of the game have won back-to-back-to-back MVPs? I'll wait. There's only one to the best of my knowledge. And it was Brett Favre, right? I, I don't think Peyton Manning did it. I should know the exact answer. But to sit here and pretend like, well, it should be a given. Aaron Rodgers should be able to win MVP again. And by winning MVP, I mean play at that elite caliber. Guys, what bothers me the most about the Aaron Rodgers slander, first of all, he's the third highest graded player on the Packers roster. And people immediately go, oh, well, that's, that's because they're all playing bad. Okay, they are playing bad. I'm with you. But how are we going to sit here and and th- and say Aaron Rodgers is the reason that we're losing when he's the third highest graded player at a 73.2? Like, he is not playing horrible. He is not. I refuse to believe it. If I looked at this PFF grade and I watched the tape and the PFF grade was in the 50s for, you know, however many games we're into this season now, you know, uh, five, six games, whatever it is now. If I looked at the PFF grade and it was in the 50s or even the 60s, if it was in the 60s and I watched the tape and I said, man, he is just he's not he's not completing nowhere near the percentage of passes. And and people immediately go, well, it's accuracy. You look at the actual accuracy numbers. Okay, again, you're trusting another human being to watch the tape and them determine whether or not they think it's an accurate pass or not. You know, one of the things they pointed out on the telecast that nobody's talking about is how he threw away from Tunyon on one play. And, and, and even the broadcaster went on and said, online, uh, you know, the spectators will be saying, man, Aaron Rodgers is really inaccurate. I don't think he's inaccurate there. I think he's protecting his receiver. That could be the case. The guy could be an Aaron, Rod- Aaron Rodgers apologist, and Aaron Rodgers can do no wrong. That may be the case. I don't know. 
But to sit here and pretend like completion percentage doesn't matter is a joke to me. And the immediately the argument was, well, it's because he's dinking and dunking. Okay, he's dinking and dunking. Right. Well, how come he's seventh in the entire National Football League and passes over 20 yards? Oh, well, do 30. Okay, now we're starting to let's go ahead and bend the numbers. As I'm getting accused of bending the numbers for number 12, now we're going to bend the numbers to make it look like he's worse than he actually is. Okay, guy. And it's just not worth it to argue about it, especially through text or on Twitter. It's just silly. It is. So never once have I said, Aaron Rodgers is playing on an MVP level. Never once have I said I expect him to play at that level. Do, do I hope he does? Absolutely, I do. But here's the thing that nobody's mentioning. Nobody's mentioning the receiver grades. We'll go out and point out that Aaron Rodgers is way lower graded than he was last year. Got it. He's not playing at an MVP level. Completely agree. Again, 1% higher from his career completion percentage. And, oh, by the way, 11 touchdowns and only three interceptions. Guys, there is not a single person on Twitter or anywhere online that's going to convince me there's a more important stat than protecting the football, than not turning the ball over. You want to know why Aaron Rodgers has the winning record he has? You want to know why Aaron Rodgers has multiple MVPs that he has? And it's not even about the award, but it's just how does he put up these crazy numbers? Go an entire season only have four interceptions because he puts top value in protecting the football. When you turn the ball over, guys, if you're losing the turnover differential by one turnover, I think the percentage of you losing goes up to like right at 80%. When you're losing the turnover differential by two, it's almost 90 or above 90. Like that's that's the name of the game is protecting the freaking football. And Aaron Rodgers does that. So again, 11 touchdowns, three picks, completion percentage of 66%. And then it's, well, he's not, he's not hitting on the deep shots. He's inaccurate deep. I got you. You know, the first thing that popped in my mind though, was that beautiful pass. The first play from scrimmage of the 2022 NFL season where he put the ball right on the money to Christian Watson and he got dropped. And that's not a bash fest on Christian Watson. That's not the knock him. He's a rookie receiver. And I love that they took that shot. Right. But to sit here and say that Aaron isn't accurate throwing the ball deep and you say, well, that's one play, Clayton. OK, let's go to the Jets game. Remember the chalk talk segment where I, I told I showed you guys how he threaded the needle against a cover one man defense where he had a window. I'm telling you, this window was no bigger than one square yard and he nailed the window pane with it. I mean, nailed it. Now, that's just a second pass. OK, how many more do you need? To say again, he's not playing elite, but let's not let's stop pretending like this is freaking Mark Sanchez back there with his inaccuracy. It's silly. It's silly to me. And there's no point in even arguing about it. There really isn't because either people love him or they hate him, or someone's already got their mind made up on what they're seeing. That's totally cool. It's not my job to convince someone to believe otherwise. But if someone's going to come at me and say, oh, you're just an Aaron Rodgers lover. I, I wish you could have met Clayton Bailey when Mike McCarthy's last year in Green Bay and then and, and go to him and say, oh, you're just an Aaron Rodgers lover. I despised the guy, hated him, hated his guts, felt like he was the reason that McCarthy got ran out of town. And then lo and behold, we hire Matt LaFleur, 13 wins. I go, boy, I'm having to eat some crow. Next year, 13 wins and an MVP. Boy, this crow sucks. The next year, 13 wins and another MVP. And then all of a sudden, he takes a political stance or he takes a medical stance 
and everybody under the sun hate, not everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but the haters come out in full force. And I'm sorry, I'm going to call it like it is to the best of my ability. You have the right to disagree. You have the right to agree. What I'm not going to do is argue about it because you're not going to convince me that he's playing poor when he's right there in the top 10 in pretty much every statistical category other than yards per attempt, which is very, very important. Several people pointed that on Twitter, and every one of them, I liked the tweet and said, you're exactly right. You can ask Ryan Schlitt. Yesterday, I messaged him because I knew he was digging into the Aaron Rodgers talk and looking at the numbers, and he and I respectfully disagree on this, and that is totally cool. But you can ask him yourself. What did Clayton ask you in a personal chat? And in that personal chat, I said, dig into yards per attempt. It's bad. That's where the problem lies. Is it scheme? I don't know. Is it Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. Actually, I do know. It's not scheme. It's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not receivers. It's everything. Everything. But if we're going to lay it all at the foot of Aaron Rodgers, then let's tell the whole story. And here's the whole story. Receiving grades. Receiving grades across the league. Again, we got people that want to have a conversation about his 73 or whatever it is passing grade, you know, offense grade this year is extremely low for Aaron Rodgers. And I agree it is. But let's if we're, if we're going to lean on PFF for that, let's lean on the receiving grade. The Packers receivers are grading out 24th best in the entire National Football League this year. 24th at a 66.5. Aaron Rodgers is grading out, like I said, at a 73. So which one's more responsible? I know we're saying that players are running open and he's just not throwing to them. Guys, PFF takes that into account. You're going to get a positive grade if a receiver runs a route and wins his route. Maybe, just maybe, you and me, you know, myself both, maybe we don't know exactly what the play call is. Maybe we don't know exactly what a choice route is in this specific play call. None of us do. But you just take the data you've got and you do the best you can with it. Right. What's really cool about that chalk talk segment that that Coach Hahn and I just did is all week long as I was studying Washington. If you guys remember on the podcast I did before that game, uh, one of the things I said was, man, it really feels like we need to attack the edge with the running game. And then on defense, what we really need to do is focus on containing Heineke in the pocket and let's get pressure on the inside. Lo and behold, what did you see with the pick six? Rashawn Gary pushing the pocket right back in his lap, right? Or not Rashawn Gary, but Kenny Clark pushing the pocket right back in his lap. And what did you have? A wide nine look with Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith rushing from a wide nine, which is essentially a contained defense. Pretty cool stuff how it lined up. The film study said it. The PFF numbers suggested it. And it's not Clayton being smart. It's just me being smart enough to read and see the data and watch the film. And that's what we came up with. So let's dig into the wide receiver room real quick before we get out of here. What is so bad about the receiving room? Well, Cobb is the top-rated wide receiver. Imagine if Cobb's 79.9 wasn't a part of that collective group I just read to you, how bad Green Bay's receiving group will be. Now, Cobb is hurt now. He, graded, he grades out right now as the eighth-best wide receiver in the entire National Football League. He's been hurt. Alan Lazard is now hurt. He's the second-highest graded, 69.4. Sammy Watkins, 67.8. Romeo Dobbs, 56.7. Christian Watson, been hurt, 55.4.
Amari Rogers, 54.0. Samori Torre got some snaps, 52.7. And Jawan Winfrey had a 52.0. If we're going to sit here and call Aaron Rodgers out for his lack of talent and ability, and he's falling off a cliff, and it's, you know, he's the one, he's the reason the Packers are struggling. If we're going to do that, then we better point out the receiving room, too. And it's funny, I don't see anybody talking about it. A couple people came to Rodgers' defense on Twitter, and they were talking about the drops. I don't know if this is true. I didn't dig into the stat, but someone said the Packers wide receivers lead the entire National Football League in drops with 15. Again, I don't know if that's true. Look it up yourself. It may or may not be, but judging by the grades, I would not be surprised. Okay, so as we get ready to wrap up here, I wanted to touch on the injuries real quick. We got our first injury report yesterday on Wednesday. David Bakhtiari did practice, but it was limited. That's a good sign. He may be back. I don't know how I feel about that with the way Zach Tom played, to be honest with you. But, you know, anytime you get David Bakhtiari back in the lineup, I think you got to be happy about it. But uh, Zach Tom, really, I really think he showed that he can hold his own. The surprise for me was Rashawn Gary. Evidently, he's in concussion protocol. Don't know when or how that happened. He did not participate. Elton Jenkins did not participate. Don't know if it's a rest day. Hopefully it was. We'll find out if he's uh, if it's getting serious there with the knee again. Don't know. Alan Lazard's shoulder did not participate. Aaron Rodgers' right thumb did not participate. So the thumb, that's another thing, too. Like he, The last three games or the last two games, he's playing with an injured thumb. Nobody wants to talk about that. You don't see that anywhere from the haters. It's just he's falling off a cliff. Okay. Sammy Watkins, hamstring, limited participation. Christian Watson, hamstring, limited participation. On the Buffalo Bills style, uh, side, did not participate. Tackle Spencer Brown, did not participate. Uh, Taiwan Jones, uh, Jake Kumaro, limited uh, participation. Cam Lewis, full participation there at corner. And then they had some vet rest guys we won't even mention. So that's how the injury report lays out early. I want to get to an email, and we're out. This comes in from Chuck Jaggers. I'll keep it quick. Iron sharpens iron. Jair isn't practicing versus the best receiver in the league, and it's showing big time in my opinion. Jai has been very cocky. How cocky in camp do you think Jai would have been with Devontae cooking him? I don't think I would – I need to address on offense because if we got Tay, we score at least 10 more points per game. Hard to, hard to argue with that, right? I have personally moved on and hope nothing but the best for Devontae, but it looks like it's affecting the defense as well, in my opinion. Keep it up, you guys, and go Pack Go. I think he makes a great point. And the reason I think it's a great point from my personal standpoint is the last few years I had talked about – one of the reasons that Jair Alexander has turned into the great corner he is is because he's having to go up against Devontae Adams uh, consistently. Do you guys remember in training camp when uh, Jair Alexander said he got tired of Romeo Dobbs cooking people, so he jumped over there and wanted to show him what it's like to be covered by the best corner in the league? Guys, iron does sharpen iron. Who is the best receiver that Ja got to sharpen his skills against in the training camp this year? First of all, he – he missed a part of the offseason, if I understood correctly, before he got the contract extension. Now, I'm not trying to put all the blame on Josh. Please me, I'm not I'm not doing the job what some people are doing to Aaron. I would never do that. I'm just pointing out, again, had a PFF grade in the 50s. He's the guy who's ran his mouth about three different locker room things. And I think it's absolutely awesome that yesterday Sammy Watkins went to bat for Aaron Rodgers and Rasul Douglas went to bat for Aaron Rodgers. So I'm just going to be honest with you. Me personally – I care more about what Aaron's teammates think about him. I care more about what the coach thinks about him, which 
the coach came out. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's a pretty pretty hot take. LaFleur came out and said the truth hurts. Think about that. The truth hurts. So all of these Rodgers haters that immediately went to, he's throwing his teammates under the bus. His teammates don't care, guys. They're saying they don't care. Uh, well, there's been past teammates, okay? John Coons on Twitter going at insert <laughs> Packers uh, reporter slash podcaster's name. John Coons going to bat for 12. Like, dude, and I love what he said to one specific uh, podcaster. He said basically, and I'm kind of kind of paraphrasing, but pretty close to what he said. Look, it's okay to hate the guy, but come on, let's let's not try to pretend like you understand what the players feel in the locker room. That's just silly to me. It's absolutely silly. You know, I know you do this for a living, and we are not the same. But I'm trusting John Coon over you, bro. Sorry about it. Well, it is. So with that being said, again, Chuck, thank you so much for the email. I want to thank Coach Hom for his time today, man. When you've got a guy that gets up at the butt crack of dawn, goes to work, teaches kids, doing God knows what with coaching, prepping for the next year, who knows, and then he takes 30 minutes out of his evening to hop on here and talk X's and O's with us, man, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. It's it's absolutely awesome. And, and someone else I appreciate is Ryan Schlipp. I love when we have differing opinions because it makes for great podcasts, makes for great talk. And we're never going to, you know, fabric, fabricate or, or, you know, kind of uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, generate this, this false narrative of how we disagree. But when we disagree on stuff, I love that he's passionate about it. Hopefully he feels the same about me, but I definitely, I definitely appreciate the conversation we had today uh, or yesterday, I should say, as you're listening to this, got on the phone with him. And, uh, and had a great talk just about ball and, and and everything on Twitter and this and that, man. It's just so cool to uh, to have somebody who's walked down the podcast road before me and uh, kind of navigated through the minefields, and I get a chance to learn from him and, and create a, a better friendship and all that stuff. It's really, really cool, so definitely appreciate him. So, again, thank you, Coach Hahn. Thank you, Chuck, for the email. Thanks, Ryan, for everything you do. We're going to get out of here. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pack Go. Just to go, the Vader, 17 to 14, Cowboys out in front.